Hi, I'm Jane Chen, and I'm the co-founder of Clue. You're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. So welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And uh, I love the journey that this podcast has taken me on because it is a podcast to inspire you with whatever you're doing. So as you can hear, there's a bit of static on the audio there. And, you know, in the world of podcasting, I would say about one in every 50 episodes, I get like some issues and uh, this static is driving me crazy. I don't know where it comes from and I can't hear it when I'm recording the episode. It just is something that I can't get rid of. And it's one of those little gremlins that comes in to one in every 50 shows. For example, I would say maybe even more than that, my episode with Michael O'Neill, which was a long time ago now, uh, that had the same issue. And then uh, it was, it was great for uh, all the issues up to now. Anyway, it's, a really interesting guest I had on. His audio is perfectly okay. So what I've done is I've gone through and I have narrated my questions in a way that it means that you can understand the kind of chat that we had. But uh, I've gone back and I've edited and, and I've uh, reiterated and uh, repeated my questions uh, so that uh, it just helps you go through this podcast. Anyway, it's a really interesting uh, guy, Max Razmankin, and he is the founder of Thirsty, the co-founder of Thirsty. They're based in New York and they're expanding like mad across the US. And their concept is really uh, straightforward. They've developed an app uh, which you press a button on the app and within 30 minutes to 60 minutes, uh, some alcohol turns up at your doorstep. A really interesting service and something that I, I think is going to grow to be a global sensation. So I'm glad that we got Max, uh, he, who's a really inspirational guy, by the way. Uh, I'm glad we got him early in his the start of his journey. And he's going to go through talking to us about the launch, working together uh, in, with his team, having to make some tough decisions and uh, the marketing campaign and all sorts of stuff. So really interesting episode. Stay tuned and let's get into the content. And then you'll notice that uh, it's not real time. Uh, I've recorded my questions and narrated uh, literally after we've interviewed, uh, but it's still pretty good. And uh, we can get a, the, a sense of uh, what Max was trying to get across. And I think it will be inspiring for you. Uh, to listen to. So let me know what you think. Do get in touch. I go to theappguy.co or you can find me on Twitter, Paul underscore S underscore Kemp. That's Paul underscore S underscore Kemp. Okay, let's get into the content. So I start by welcoming Max to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I asked Max to give us a little bit of a background about himself and his company. Sure. Um, so originally I'm from Russia and uh, I came to the U.S. in 2005 for school. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a wonderful journey for me. I, uh, I actually started my uh, trip in Mississippi and uh, I spent three years there. And that was quite a culture shock for me because moving all the way from Russia to Mississippi 
that was something very different and interesting to me. Uh, so I ended up transferring to another school and uh, graduated in 2010. And I was always interested in uh, starting my own company. So when I was in school, I started a little project called Brainshake. And there was a milkshake that's, uh, that, that was good for your brain and memory. And uh, I was selling those on campus. And uh, over just a few weeks, I sold several hundred milkshakes. And that's when I really sensed this opportunity of entrepreneurship and starting something of your own. Uh, after this, I, uh, I uh, graduated with a degree in uh, uh, finance and economics. And uh, I decided to, uh, to move to New York City and uh, ended up getting a job at a data processing company uh, and spent a few years there. But uh, while I was working there, I was always doing something on the side. Uh, so I was uh, trying to get involved in the startup community here in New York City. And uh, I was uh, networking with a lot of developers, designers, uh, PR professionals, investors, and other entrepreneurs. And uh, a few months after that, I uh, started my first project, uh, which was called Blended at the time. And uh, since then, I've been uh, actively involved in the startup community and uh, ended up starting a company called Thirsty, uh, which is on-demand liquor delivery app, uh, which is very simple. You just download the app, you enter your delivery address, uh, you browse different wine and spirits, you add them to your cart, and uh, 30 to 60 minutes later, it's delivered to your door. So it's uh, nothing super compl uh, complicated. It's a very straightforward idea. Uh, you just have to execute really well on this. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to work on this for over a year now. And uh, we're starting to see some good traction. So I made the point to Max that he was working tirelessly on this uh, Thursday as a side project whilst working full time. And I wondered how he actually found time to work on Thirsty? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you'll be surprised. Uh, I mean, that was a full-time job, and uh, I was spending at least 45 hours a day, uh, a week at this job, uh, but you still get a lot of free time. You can, you can find time between lunch breaks, and uh, sometimes you can do work while you're at work. Of course, you have to be really careful, but uh, if you finish all your projects, and you have a couple of hours left, you know, instead of browsing news, you can just work on your own startup. And then, of course, it's evenings and nights and weekends, uh, which is challenging, and uh, it comes with certain sacrifices. But uh, if you're really passionate about what you do, and you have a passionate team that's, you know, equally passionate about this idea with you, uh, it doesn't really feel like work. You know, so instead of watching TV or... Uh, you know, just hanging out with your friends, uh, you just spend time working on something truly awesome and uh, you, you're just trying to build this perfect product and uh, you, you're trying to build a good business, good company and uh, you meet a lot of great people while you do this that, uh, you know, that are also passionate about certain things and they want to help you. Uh, so it doesn't really feel like work, uh, which is why I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs uh, that are passionate about their ideas, they can do it tirelessly for many hours and for many years. Um, and uh, the major challenge for me was uh, actually not at the beginning, but at the later stage. Because as your company starts growing 
and people at your company start realizing that you have something else on the side, that's when you have to take bigger risk and really decide is it going to be something that you're going to you know, pursue on the side or is it something that's going to become your full-time job. So I said that that's when your boss comes in and finds you on your website doing your own side projects and starts to really question your priorities and focus and eventually if it does take off then you, know, you do have to make a choice. Yeah, exactly. And so it's not always necessarily a good thing, and it depends on the type of job that you have. I my my goal was never get like get a nice job and uh, climb a career ladder and uh, get promoted and have a really good paying job. That was never my goal. My goal was to get a good job that would allow me to stay in this country, would pay my bills, but at the same time it would give me enough time to work on something else. So I asked Max to walk us through what it was like from having the initial idea and then physically getting this off the ground and ultimately making it a reality. Uh, so at the time, I actually had a couple of different ideas. And uh, ideas, they, you know, they're, they're never an issue. Like so many people have so many different ideas uh, and uh, many people think that it's a really unique idea. In reality, if you have some idea, there's probably 10 other people that are working on the exact same idea. And uh, before I decided to work on something like this, I just really wanted to understand what would be the actual challenge of uh, making this work. Is there an actual business? And uh, can I build a team that would help me solve all of the issues that we're going to encounter as we're going to start building this business? So first thing I started doing is uh, looking into all the regulation laws and seeing if it's actually possible to build something like this that's, that's going to be compliant with all the regulation. So I talked to a couple of lawyers and uh, I consulted with them and they gave me great feedback and uh, after a couple of months of research and just talking to people and talking to advisors. Uh, we realized that there's a legal way of doing this and uh, there's a lot of opportunity there and in fact we saw a few small companies, small startups that already were doing something like this but they didn't have a really good product and they were still pretty small uh, at that time. Uh, so after that I, uh, I realized that you know this is actually a good idea. There already there's already some competition, which is good. It validates the idea. It validates that you know someone else uh, wants to build it, and people actually want it. And uh, since we had a compliant legal structure, we decided to give it a go and uh, start building it. So I asked Max, uh, did you build the app first, or did you do a beta test on a web app? Mm -hmm. we, we started building website and mobile apps at the same time uh, and normally we would build an MVP and then test it and see the kind of feedback we would get but since there was already some competition and they were actually doing this and they were having some initial success we decided that we're just going to build a much better product and, uh, and uh, just, just going to do it better. And uh, I, I hope that's what we did over time, uh, but uh, we, we, we decided to launch on all three platforms. So back, like in March of this year, we launched Thursday on iOS, Android, and a website, and it was all done simultaneously. 
Again, I asked Max uh, how the launch went and whether he got a lot of press. Uh, we got a little bit of press, uh, and recently we started getting a lot more press, but I would say I thought it's going to be an easier sell at first. I thought that, uh, you know, it's, it's a great concept, it's, uh, I, I think we have good branding, and it's something that people want, so they would just start talking about this, and uh, it would just naturally going to get picked up. But uh, that didn't really happen. Uh, we, we really had to push it hard for the first three months and uh, reach out to a lot of publications and really selling the product to everyone we know and asking them to promote the product. And uh, we didn't really spend any money on marketing until just two weeks ago. So all the growth we had before it was organic, but uh, we would constantly have to uh, facilitate that growth. It wasn't something that was just coming to us naturally. We constantly had to uh, work on different user acquisition strategies. So I made the observation to Max that it's a phenomenal service, and I know that there's going to be global demand, especially here in the UK, where just the thought of being able to press a button and get alcohol delivered to your door is a phenomenal service and something that I guess Amazon is not doing right now. So I asked him whether he was restricting the service at this stage to districts within New York or broadening out the service to New York and other cities. Yeah, uh, that was actually a tough call to make because when we launched in March, uh, there were a lot of variables that we had to coordinate. We had to you know, launch the product, then we had to coordinate everything with our retail partners, like all this uh, network of liquor stores, and they're a little difficult to deal with. They're mom and pop shops, and uh, they're not always tech-savvy guys, uh, so it's a little hard to work with them at first. And then we also had to have enough customers that place orders that had to, be, that had to get fulfilled within 30 to 60 minutes. So the first couple of months, they were really challenging. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had to do a lot of phone calls myself and uh, making sure that every single delivery gets there. And uh, sometimes you might spend 30 minutes dealing with just one order, but that's okay because you're just starting out and before you can scale something, uh, you just need to spend as much time as it takes uh, to make sure that every order gets through. Uh, and in April... So it was a month after our launch, uh, me and my partner, we were talking about this and trying to see if we need to move to other cities. Because New York City, is, uh, it's the most competitive city within that sector, but all the other cities, they were completely empty. And there were some local players, but, uh, but they were not uh, very big. So we decided to make uh, the decision and actually start our national expansion uh, and so we launched in uh, Chicago and LA in April, and just a couple of weeks ago we launched in Miami. So now we're in four cities, uh, which is tough to manage. Uh, like one city is really tough to manage soon after your launch. Managing four cities is even tougher. But what we were able to achieve with this is that now we're not some local player. Now we're the national player that goes from West Coast to East Coast. Uh, and uh, that just makes us look uh, on a whole different level. So I was just making some comments to Max about uh, understanding the service. I mean, clearly I'm not in New York. I've not used the service. And so I was trying to figure out uh, if I've got it right. And I explained it as an Uber for 
alcohol deliveries where I log on to the app and I uh, make an order and then the order is like Uber with private driving the order is delivered to my doorstep and I just wondered uh, if Max could reiterate how it works specifically and then who's responsible for the delivery so we partner with liquor stores that already offer delivery services uh, so it, it is the liquor store that makes the delivery it is the liquor store that processes your payments and it is the liquor store that checks your ID upon the delivery uh, so really we're a middleman between local consumers and local merchants I asked Max that it must have been really challenging to get all those service level agreements in place so that you have a consistent service for your app uh, whilst dealing with lots of different retailers. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest challenges at the early stage uh, when we were trying to get on board the first couple of liquor stores. I would say the first 10 liquor stores, they were the toughest to sign up. Uh, because it's a new concept and uh, they had to make the delivery themselves uh, and uh, that, that, was, uh, that was a tough sell. Uh, I thought it's going to be a lot easier but uh, it turned out to be a big challenge uh, and uh, we just found a much better way of selling our product to liquor stores because at first they were getting intimidated by our technology and they felt like we were selling them some fancy BMW that they just cannot afford. And uh, they, they were afraid that we're going to take over their business. And that's why they were also so pessimistic about this idea. But uh, then we decided to change our sales strategy and uh, really focus on building a true partnership with them, long-term partnership. Uh, and uh, that, that really made the sale a lot easier. And after this, we were just able to sign up so many more liquor stores. And now we have over 60 of them. Uh, and uh, they, they, all, they all want to deliver and uh, they, they're really happy with us and they just want to see more orders coming from us. Um, and uh, you know, there, there are a lot of liquor stores that, uh, um, that, that really understand the potential of this. They, uh, they have a liquor store, it's at a bad location, they don't get a lot of food traffic and uh, the best way for them to increase their sales is to partner with us and start offering delivery services. So let's say if it's one neighborhood and there are 10 different liquor stores and they get not that much sales, if they start covering entire area with their delivery service, then they really expand their uh, coverage by, uh, by many blocks. If it's only three blocks, now we're talking about 10 blocks or 15 blocks and uh, it, it really gives them a way to increase their sales. So I asked Max to talk a little bit more about the sales team because that was an area I was interested in and uh, I just wanted to know if the sales team were actually physically going to these locations and uh, making the pitch with the demo app and how many visits did it take to actually secure a lot of the deals? Yeah, so originally we tried to build a sales team. So we built a sales team of five people in New York and uh, we wanted them to knock on every door and pitch our product. And we did that and uh, they tried it for about four weeks and after four weeks we still had zero stores. Uh, and, and that was uh, a little discouraging because we put so much effort to find the sales guys and they were all great salespeople, uh, but for some reason they were just not able to set up a single store. 
so I, I just decided to go ahead and try it myself uh, as a founder and uh, just approach a couple of liquor stores and talk to them and uh, try to see the kind of responses I get and uh, what really concerns them and really get to the bottom of this. And uh, what I realized is that, once again, they were just getting really intimidated by our technology and they were just afraid that we're trying to take over their business rather than help them. Uh, and uh, that, that's when we decided to change our approach and uh, really use a more friendly approach, not try to put too much pressure on them and uh, just really build this relationship with the liquor store owners, with their employees and just really, you know, have this relationship developed. After this, it's always about maintaining this relationship. But once you know the owner's name, you know, the, you know if they have any kids, you know the employees, you know their by name as well, uh, they really look at you very differently and uh, they're willing to do a really good job for you. So I wanted to understand from Max a little bit about the funding because I was guessing that it wasn't bootstrapped by him personally, uh, that either he had some angel investment money or venture capital money or maybe uh, this was going through an incubator where they were getting some funding. So I asked Max about the funding situation. Uh, no, you, you would be actually very surprised, but uh, we were able to launch and be, build everything with uh, less than $10,000. So I was really surprised at uh, his answer there and it just made me realize that you can do a lot when you're really innovative and you don't need a big budget to get these things done. Yeah, and that, that was the challenge. I, uh, I didn't really have any money to invest uh, in startups and at the time I didn't have a very large network of angel investors and at the same time, I just realized that there are so many passionate people that want to build great products and they want to be part of some awesome idea that uh, you can just partner with them and make them your business partners. And uh, they, they become part owners of the business. You give them some equity in the company and uh, they're willing to put these crazy hours and uh, help you build this great product. Uh, so all of our developers, all of our designers, lawyers, uh, marketing people, uh, they all hold equity in the company and uh, until just recently they were able to help us uh, pretty much for free. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, we did a small round and we raised uh, 100k uh, but that was mostly internally. Uh, so it's uh, within our team members and some of our advisors and uh, just recently we started looking for uh, the seed round, and uh, and so that, that's going actually that's going pretty well, because being able to postpone the investment for that long uh, really put us at a great position, because we already have products, we already have traction, we have a bunch of press, we have great team that's passionate, you know, to work on this full time, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, we validated the concept. And now when we talk to the investors, uh, we really look at them as partners. You know, uh, we, we're really looking for investors that's not going to just give us cash. We're looking for investors that's going to uh, put something else on the table, whether it's some partnerships, whether it's some uh, expertise within the liquor industry. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like in the long term, it's really going to benefit us big time. 
So I acknowledged to Max that it was a wonderful idea, a wonderful journey that he talked us through. And it was really clever to give uh, all the different uh, people involved equity in the business because then it aligns them with the uh, direction of the company and uh, that you, you just uh, being innovative and uh, really clever with uh, your mission is something we can all learn from. Uh, and yes, like people frequently think that money is going to solve all their problems. Uh, it really, it's, it's really not always the case. Uh, before you even start spending any cash and you start risking someone's money, uh, you can build your products uh, without it. And uh, build the product first and uh, you know, get it out in the market. Really see if it's, some, if, if it's something that people want before you a start asking for money. And uh, I, I think it's just uh, also the right thing to do. And, uh, and later on, you're just going to get a lot more investor interest if you tell them that you were able to bootstrap everything without any use of capital. So I was just summarizing with Max uh, what I was learning from him in that if you can show that you have revenue and uh, a solid uh, outlook, then you're less likely to give up too much of your equity to outside investors and you can retain more of that as you grow. So it seemed to be like a very sensible idea. So again, uh, I move on to my uh, favorite kind of section, which is talking about apps. And I asked Max to point out if there's a favorite app that you could recommend to us that we may not have come across before. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, TaskRabbit. I see, yeah, but uh, this is uh, really, it's a good tool for getting some hard help uh, at the last minute. So if you have a certain task that has to be done and uh, you just don't have time uh, to, to get it done, uh, I just always launch this app and uh, I post a task and someone picks it up and uh, I pay them, let's say, 10 to 15 or 20 bucks uh, and they just get it done for me. So that, that, that's just uh, a good app for getting some tasks done last minute. So I was going to say... Uh, to Max that before we say goodbye I just wanted to know what it's like being a millennial living in New York being surrounded by all these wonderful disruptive apps you know being able to use Uber and uh, Postmate and all these uh, services and just be living in a very entrepreneurial fast-moving city I wanted to know from Max what it was like to be living there. Yeah I mean I, I think it's great and uh, New York startup scene is growing really quickly uh, and uh, there's, there's a lot of great people here in New York and uh, we, we have a lot of guys from Wall Street that are really passionate to start, you know, to get into the startup world. Uh, we, have a lot, we have a lot of people from marketing and advertising and PR. Uh, we also have a lot of people that uh, you know, are in the uh, computer science industry and they're, they're developers and designers. Uh, so you can always find people uh, that you need for your startup here in New York. And, uh, I, and there, there, there's just a lot of events uh, that you can go to and a lot of the time stay free and uh, the startup community is growing very quickly and uh, what I like about them is that everybody is really helpful and uh, if you need some advice, if you need some help from someone, uh, people always help you to help you and, uh, and of course, you know, we will help you to do the same for others. So I just wanted to know from Max where we can connect with him and get in touch. Yeah, you can uh, just always shoot me an email. 
Uh, it's uh, max at thirsty.com with IE at the end. Or just follow me at Twitter with my, uh, it's my last name. Uh, and uh, yeah, just feel free to connect with me whenever. So that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. And I'm sorry that I had that problem with static, but I've been able to salvage what I think is an excellent episode and uh, I thoroughly appreciate Max uh, allowing me to release this uh, edited like that. Uh, I'm sure that he is going to do some wonderful things going forward. Thanks for listening and uh, I'll see you in another episode and uh, get ready for the the next uh, problem which I'm sure will be about 50 episodes time but uh, thanks for bearing with me on this one and I appreciate it always uh, get in touch I mean the full details of this show uh, with all the links will be in uh, my show notes so just go to theappguy.co theappguy.co click the link that says App Guy Podcasts and you'll get to um, search for Max Rasmankin on uh, the episodes uh, episode 131 and you'll see uh, all the show notes and links to what we discussed in this episode. Thanks, and see you in another show. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.